0: Good morning. Good morning, you know, my uh, I'm glad to be back, thank you, thank you, Josh, um, glad to be back with you. I've been, uh, Robin and I were on a trip with our, our International Mission Board, um, and we were in Europe, and I'm so glad to be back. I'm still a little on London time, we got back on Friday, and uh, so, I'm with you though, I'm pumped to be here. Um, yeah, thanks. You know, uh, creation is incredible, isn't it? And, and I don't know if you've ever, like, had that moment where you put your toes in the ocean and just looked out at the ocean or stood and looked across a mountain range or even, like, you got to do this if you haven't done it. If you've driven to Pawhuska and driven up that hill and then all of a sudden the plains open up, you, you know, you look at those things and you're thinking, man, God created... The world. This did not happen by accident. There's a creator. And, and you know what's interesting about creation, and last Sunday, Robin and I, we were in Hungary, Budapest, Hungary, and we gathered with this. It was a meeting of Baptist leaders in Hungary, and it was so fascinating. Uh, we, we took the Lord's Supper, and the guy leading it uh, was, in, was speaking Hungarian. It's a very difficult language. And this, this guy in the, was translating in our ear. And as we were taking the Lord's Supper, this uh, layman who was leading it, it, was just an incredible man, young man. And um, we, he was uh, reciting the Apostles' Creed. And, and, um, and, he, and there's that famous line in the Apostles' Creed that says this, um, We did not make him, but he is making us. Such an insightful line in the Apostles' Creed. We didn't invent God. God invented us. God created us. And it makes, like, like when you think about the Bible, and reading the Bible, like in Acts 17, Paul was hanging out with these philosophers. In, and in Acts 17, he, he said to these philosophers, for in him we live and move and have our being. Such an incredible statement from Paul. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, open to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2 is um, uh, it, the, the book of Genesis introduces us to the creation account. And in the creation account, it, we recognize that creation is not the lesson, the, the the point of the creation account. What it reveals is not just creation, it reveals God. It reveals this. Uh, this This being that we can know, and God is um, uh, the the is the point of the Bible. He reveals Himself, and in the creation account, you got to understand it's not creation centered; it's God centered. That in in the creation account, we see from the very beginning a God who who created everything, who showed us who He is, and 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 this is an important. Um, concept to grasp because in our modern society, here's what we're here's what we're seeing in front of us. We're seeing uh, this sophisticated modern society that we live in, and sometimes we're pretty arrogant. We, we kind of think we're in charge. And from the beginning of the Bible, we see that it's God who is in control of life. And I'll tell you, even us in the church, we, we tend to fall into the same trap of believing that, that we're in control of life. And God has simply revealed something different. The Bible reveals and creation reveals that there's one autonomous master and what's interesting, who by his uncontested word, by speaking with his mouth, he all things came into existence. And it's God who ordered their design and their purpose. God set the structure. God created the boundaries. And this is so very important for us to understand in our modern world, and, and, and you know, we have a sinful nature, and we have a tendency to want to rebel against the boundaries of God, even us, but it's very important for us to understand, and I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit who's at work in our lives, and I'm thankful we have the Word of God that, that shapes our thinking, because you know what, even us that know Jesus, sometimes we don't think right, and I'm grateful for the Word of God, because you know what the Word of God helps us do? It helps us think right. And, and, you know, um, uh, today, you know what I'm asking the Lord to do? I'm asking the Lord to help us think right about family, about his revelation of family. And, and you know, when it comes to the concept of family, we live in a generation that is working hard to change the definitions and I think it's very important that we allow God's word to stand and 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 today in our modern family we we can see this we see we see it's the 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 world we're living in is saying look it's okay to have men with men and women with women it's okay to have you know multiple genders and 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 you can and the gender list is growing and it's okay to make your own rules but but you know what this is concerning to me. And it's concerning as we look at our generation and, our, and the, the fact that we can rewrite what God has established. And, and you know, though it's concerning to me, I want us to recognize that in every generation, God has called the people to live and to engage and to stand for the Lord and to represent Christ and to, and to believe the Lord and trust the Lord and walk with the Lord. And here's what God does. He gives us power, he gives us strength, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. And this is why I'm praying that we're great commandment focused, Mark 12. Remember, the great commandment to love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're called to, to walk with the Lord, to trust the Lord and to believe the Lord and to engage a world that doesn't follow the Lord. This is important. Now, um, in this series, asking for a friend, Here's the question we're going to tackle today. And it's this idea that is is family and marriage and gender, are those a social construction? Is that a construction of man? Or is that a revelation from God? This is a really important question that a lot of our friends are asking. And, and, And so... The answer to that question is in Genesis 2. So let's look at Genesis 2. Let's stand together. and Let's start in verse 18, and let's allow God's word to just kind of be heard as we tackle this question. And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. he took one of the rib of the man's ribs and then closed closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man." That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they will become one flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, you maybe seated. Now, I think it was John Knox that said, and this is a really insightful quote from him. He says, the destiny of the human creation is to live in God's world with God's other creatures on God's terms. That's an insightful statement. Now, what you see, the answer to our question today is marriage and family, is this a social construct? Is this just something that society invented, or was this from God? Well, I think you can see, even from a casual reading of Genesis 2, that God established the family. And I think this is very important for us to understand. In our Baptist Faith and Message, Article 13, it says this, God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. A biblical family is brought together by marriage, blood, or adoption. And, and what you see according to the Bible, and this is so very important, that the uniting of a man and woman in a covenant commitment for a lifetime produces a, producing a sustainable offspring is God's original plan for individuals and for societies. I think this is really important to understand because we live in a world that's like, oh man, it's, it's no big deal. You can just kind of rewrite these things. But the Bible speaks, and, and, and I think that's interesting is, as, as, uh, and sociology is interesting to me, and, as you, and you see some sociological traction here of, of people saying, let's change the definition of family. Let, let's renegotiate and restructure things. Now, if, if, socii- if, if family and marriage is a societal construct, it makes sense to go, well, Let's just make it adapt to society. And that's what we're seeing over and over again. That's the messages that's coming to us. Let's just adapt to society. But the problem with that is that God has revealed what his plan is through his word. And we're, we're a people, and I want you to understand one of the values of our church, and, and we say this all the time. We, we allow scripture to shape our thinking. And I would challenge us in our families to, to allow the Bible to shape the way we think. If we just, if I'm left to my own thinking, I often don't think right. And, and what the Holy Spirit does is he, he comes into us, he lives inside of us, and it's God using his word to help us think right. And, and you know, when you look at the Bible, it, it points to a family that consists of a mother, a father, and their children, and this is a reflection of God's glory, and and their structure not only is best. That structure is not only best for you individually, that is best for us as a society. I think it's really interesting. On our trip to, to, to Hungary, um, I'm 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 the chairman of Europe for the IMB, and so we were meeting with all the leaders of Europe, and. And, and you know what I was struck by? I was struck by the lostness in Europe. Do you realize that the gospel came to us from Europe? And now the gospel needs to be shared in Europe. And I think of you guys in Germany and then the theology that, that came from Germany. And, and, uh, and, and I think about how, how now these places stand in need of people to go and share the gospel in Europe. And hey, if you're called to that, you got to ask the Lord. If you're called to that, I can help you. We can help you get to Europe. And and I I sure hope you take us up on it because let me tell you something. Our world is, is plagued by lostness. And you know what's interesting about Europe? That's where we are too. Look, you realize that the majority of people around us aren't believers in Christ. They don't follow Jesus. This is why we build a church here. This is why we've got to be faithful to build a great church here, that we are sending out people to Owasso and Tulsa and in Oklahoma and the United States and all over the world, and this is why I am passionate about being your pastor and building a church that is focused on the Word of God, because lostness is the world's greatest problem. I really believe that, and it's uh, and God calls us to be a part of His. Of his work in the world and the lostness in Europe is is was it reminded me of the lostness here, and I'll tell you I, I, I'm burdened for this, and I want to do something about this. When I was 19, I was in Hungary, I was on a bridge in Budapest, Hungary, and and I saw a scene of lostness, and I'm not going to go into the story because I don't have time, but 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 in Hungary at the age of 19, I saw lostness. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to follow you and we're going to do something about that. And I'll tell you what, I'm still in the middle of that pursuit. But you know what else When I I noticed in Hungary is very interesting. Um, Hungary is like many places in Europe, they're struggling as a society. Do you know that in Hungary, a woman, if a woman has three children they are so, they're trying to incentivize people in Hungary to have children. And if, if you have three children in Hungary, you don't have to pay taxes for the rest of your life. It's interesting. Um, Hungary has dis- dis- discovered that as a society, we need, we need families. And you know what? The, the, the struggle, and let's think about this. If a man and a man can't produce kids... A woman and a woman can't produce kids. So you see, just that, that's a little example. As a, a societal level, God's plan for family is the best plan. Let's recognize this. And, and you know, regarding family, I want, I want to challenge us to allow God's word to shape our thinking. In Genesis 2, 24, look at this passage. This is why, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. We see from the scripture that one man and one woman for a lifetime is God's plan. And I don't want us to miss this, that, that one man and one woman for a lifetime is God's plan. Jesus, when he was walking around with skin on, you see this over and over again. Anytime you see something mentioned in the Bible multiple times, you really should pay attention. I mean, even if it's mentioned once, you should pay attention, right? It's the Bible. But, but if it's mentioned multiple times, it's like God's going, I really want you to get this, folks. Jesus, when he had skin on and was walking around in Mark chapter 10, he says, but at the beginning of creation, look at this, God made them male and female. Well, let's just stop right there and recognize that our societal adaptation of multiple genders is just not a biblical stance. And it says God made them male and female. And then he says, Jesus said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. So they are no longer two, but one. Then Jesus says, therefore, notice this, what God has joined together, man should not separate. Now Jesus in this context, in, in, in this passage in Mark, 12, Mark 10, he's, he's talking about divorce. And, and we see from a biblical revelation that, that one man and one woman for a lifetime is God's plan. And this is the marriage relationship. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says this, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. You see this over and over again. Now, now it's popular today to play family but not be married. This is normal. This is, un, it's unusual for younger people to get married nowadays. Let's live together for a while. Let's test the waters. And, and I just want to say, I'm not trying to, if you're here today and you're living together, I want to challenge you, let us help you get married. Look, the, the, that's not God's plan for you. The Bible's clear on this, that God's plan is this covenant relationship. And 28 years ago, I stood before a bunch of people in Oklahoma City and, Brad Ayler and Keith Davis were some of my groomsmen. And I I stood and I made a covenant with this lady right here on the front row. And, and I said to her, I promise you before God and these witnesses to love you, to honor you, to keep you. I'm gonna forsake all others um, as long as I live. I said that to her. But I didn't just make that promise to her, I made a covenant to God. And this is so important. This is why I want to challenge you to do the work of building a marriage. Work out your marriage. Don't just play, play family. Build a marriage. And you know, a lost world, a world that doesn't believe Jesus, they even get this. Years ago, we were on a cruise ship. And I know most people don't make the greatest decisions on cruise ships, if you've ever been on one. Like, Like the guy... Uh, that i met on the cruise ship that was wearing a speedo next to me i really got to know him over that 30 minutes that we were there and i was thankful for the people in my life that said hey chris a speedo is not should not be your swimsuit of choice okay don't do that and so so that wasn't a good decision but 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 you know on this cruise ship i'll never forget this moment that we had we we were in that meeting where they if you've ever been they, they give you all the rules of the ship. And the MC was kind of saying, hey, uh, uh, he was kind of working the crowd. He says, yeah, who's been married the shortest amount of time? And there was a little couple that had been married just a few hours. And they said, oh, we've been married for like 13 hours. And the whole crowd goes, oh, so sweet, the little lovebird. And then he says, well, who's been married the longest? And there was a, there was a couple near the front that had been married for 67 years. And they stood up and they held hands. The entire crowd stood up and gave them a standing ovation. Because every one of them, even a lost world, looks at marriage and goes, Yeah, that's that's right. Folks, God's plan is the best plan. And and, and I just pray that, that we allow God's word to shape our thinking. God's plan for for family, for for marriage, for gender. These are revealed by God. This is not a creation of man, and the Bible's clear on this. Now, you know, when I think about God's plan for marriage, let's allow God's word to just stand. Now, speaking of marriage, I also want to say this, that that let's not miss the the important relationship of marriage. Marriage you know sometimes we get this wrong in the church there there's a there's a concept in, even in the church of men just dominating women and and this this whole idea of submission but but you see the the, the bible's clear that the husband and the wife are of equal worth both created in god's image and and when, if you're married i want you to recognize that in your marriage a husband and wife is of equal worth the bible's clear on this you know he says in ephesians 5 that's an important passage where it says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and gave himself up for her. So, so there is an idea that we, we submit to one another. A wife is, is in, as she walks with her husband, is to, is to be submissive to her husband. But you see the concept of, of mutual submission in Ephesians 5 that we are to submit to one another because it goes on and says the most fascinating command that I'm still trying to wrap my head around as, as the husband of this lady where he says to me, husbands, you are to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm still trying to wrap my head around, around that right there. If you're married men, you are called to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Just take some time and wrap your head around that. Wrap your heart around that. And I'll tell you, if you loved your wife like Christ loved the church, let me tell you something, your wife wouldn't struggle submitting to you or to me. See, God's plan is the best plan, and this is why I pray we are a people that don't just blindly follow our society, but we allow God's word to stand. And can I tell you, we must do this as a a church. We must do this as a believer. I must do this as a pastor. Let me tell you something. I must do this as as a husband, as a father, and now as a grandfather look, we've got to allow God's word to stand. And let me tell you, this is a, these are some difficult questions that our friends are asking and we cannot escape them. And if we do try to escape them, we are, we're not honoring the Lord. Because 1 Peter 3 says, oh, well, we've got to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for, and to give a reason for the hope that we have. But we've got to do it with gentleness and respect. And folks, we we got some work to do as followers of Christ. And I'll tell you, I've been excited about this series, but I've also been nervous about this series because these are hard discussions to have. But if we're not having them in the church, boy, we're missing the boat and we can't miss the boat. And I'll tell you again, you see in Ephesians 5, it's very fascinating. Again, I want you to see the repeat of this. In verse 31, therefore a man, Ephesians if if 5, 31, I think it's on the screen. Therefore if a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so I want to challenge us to recognize the marriage, family, gender, these are not societal creations. These are institutions established by God for our good. And this is not in your notes or, or on the screen, but one of my favorite passages of Scripture that you ought to memorize. I've I got a lot of favorite ones. I probably say that too much. But, but, but Psalm 16, 5 and 6 it says, you have assigned my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I want us to recognize God's plan is always the best plan. And, and even if we live in a culture where that disagrees with the plan of God, it doesn't make it untrue. Even if I struggle with the revelation of God, it doesn't make it untrue. And I pray that we recognize God's wisdom above our wisdom. You know what my prayer is? Like, like today is, is a, at 4, 4.30 today. Uh, is family dedication, 4.30, right? Uh, so uh, four or four thirty. I'll be here. Uh, I gotta look it up on my calendar because I'm still in London time. But 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 you know what? We're having family dedication today. This afternoon, as we as we dedicate these kids to the Lord, to say, Lord, help us be a church that raises families and 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 we 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 disciple in our families. This is so very important. God instituted family, marriage, gender. Roles. He instituted those things for our good. Let's recognize this. And I pray that we we see this. You know, let me be clear this morning. We all are feeling the pressure to update our thinking and get in line with our modern society. Let me just be clear. God's Word has spoken to these things. And when I look at the relevance of Scripture, I'm, I'm amazed at how relevant. I mean, people that, that I rub shoulders with that say, oh, the Bible's just not relevant today. I want, I, I'm trying to be respectful to go, but, but I'm trying to say, are, are you kidding me? Have you read it? Because when I read the Bible, I, I, it's unbelievably relevant And this is why I pray we as a body come to know what it says and we submit to what God has said. And and I I, I feel this responsibility. Now I realize today there's, that one of the reasons that people want to adjust the definition of family is because their family dynamic comes with a lot of pain. And some of you are like, man, Chris, you don't know my family. I've been hurt in my family. And and I I get that. But, But I also want us to recognize that if you trace the hurt in your family, in your own life, the hurt that you will trace, you will find that all of those hurts will trace back to a moment where we didn't where whoever in that situation wasn't living according to the word of God, wasn't following the plan of God, you will trace all that back to to some error, some misstep, some flaw. And you know what? Here's the thing. John 10.10 says, Jesus said, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. See, God's plan for you is the best plan. God's revealed word reveals the the best plan for you as an individual. But let me tell you this, it's also the best plan for our society and our culture. And this is why as followers of Christ, we are to to live in this place and to engage this world. And this is why I pray as a church, we inject ourselves into the the world around us. That that we inject ourselves into our culture. And, And I'm seeing... Um, how our church is doing this because I look at our, our, our school system and we have teachers that are in our school system serving faithfully. Honoring the Lord as they teach. I'm watching our our businessmen engage the Chamber of Commerce and, and and build businesses in our culture in our in our city that are honest, that are that are bringing good to our culture. I watched I watched just a couple of weeks ago as as we had the Mission Golf Tournament. How our church is is injected ourselves into this community to bring help and good to those around us. And this is what we should do. I was so very proud of Chad on. Well, on October 11th, because Chad Balthorp, who's preaching in Tulsa right now, was given a citywide award by the Chamber of Commerce in Owasso as a man of character. And, and Chad has been faithful to inject himself and our church into the city government. And this is our calling. This is why we can't build a wall around our church and say to a lost world, we don't want you here. No, this is why we pray, look, these chairs need to be filled. This is why we do things like, broadcast online. This is why we take care of this place. This is why we as a church are not going to go into debt and we are going to learn to save and, and pay for things in advance. And I'll tell you, this is why we steward our properties. And, and today we have a campus development team that is going to get together and, and talk about how to steward every resource that we have. And this is why we come together to build a church in this place that makes a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, it's probably good that you're not sitting on the front row today because I'm spitting and preaching like like all I got today. But I've been thinking a lot on an airplane and I haven't slept very much, so just <laughs> embrace the moment. But can I give you a mission challenge today? The mission challenge is this, if you are married, I want to challenge you to do something selfless for your spouse today. I mean, completely selfless. And if you're not married today, I want to challenge you to do something selfless for your family today. Get creative. Think about what you can do today that is completely selfless. Honor your family. Honor your spouse. You know one of the things I love about our church is that we are a multi-generational church. And when I think about marriage and family, I'll tell you I have been, it's interesting as you come to be a pastor of a church. I, I pray, Lord, would you use me in the life of this church? But you know what I found? I pray the Lord does. But you know what I found? That there's some people in our church that God's used in my life to teach me, to shape my thinking, to make my life better, to set an example for me that says, I want to do that. And I want to tell you this really quick story. We have this man in our church, this couple in our church, John and Norma Potter. They are both with the Lord right now. I actually uh, preached Norma's service. And John moved to Houston with his son, and I, I didn't get to preach his funeral. But Norma was sick, and they lived at the Baptist Village here. And it was a Sunday night, and I was. Um, you ever had those moments you're like, I'm so tired. I need some comfort food. Anybody thought that? Okay, so my comfort food of choice, if I'm just uh, like totally throwing out all of my disciplines and just wanting comfort food, is taco bueno. Okay, that's my comfort food of choice. Don't judge me. It's a sinful problem, I'm sorry. But I, I was so tired. I went by taco bueno, and I sat on my couch, and I flipped on some mindless, television show. And I go, <sighs> and right then my phone rang. And it was John. He was crying. John and Norma had been married for 71 years. Wrap your head around that for a second. John's crying. And he says, Chris, I don't know what to do. Can you come? I was like, yeah, I can. So I left my Taco Bueno. I got in my car. I drove to Baptist Village. I walked in the door. And Norma Norma was dying. And and John is standing there crying. He said, Chris, uh," she keeps saying it's over. There's nothing left to be done. She kept saying that. Her eyes were closed. She's in bed and I... Hospice has already been called, and, and John looked at me and said, Chris, why is she saying that? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm a pastor. I have to say something. I, I don't know doesn't cut it, right? When you're a pastor. So I said, John, maybe she's just ready to go be with the Lord. And we're thinking, both of us are thinking she's not with us. And all of a sudden Norma says, that's right, preacher. And and we both like look down and she goes, and have you ever been in a moment with somebody you're like, I'm not sure I should be here because this is too precious and too sweet and too intimate to have a spectator. She goes, that's right, preacher. And, she, and I'm standing between John and her. And she says, John, we've had a good life. It's been good. And I just want you to know there's nothing left to be done. And I, I stepped out of the way, and John moved right there. And I'm standing there, and I'm crying. You know, I'm, I'm in this moment. Jesus said, John, we've had a good life. And then the next day, she died. And I'm standing there thinking, that's what I want to say at the end of my marriage. I want to look at Robin and go, honey, there's nothing left to be done. That's what I want to say as a pastor. Nothing left to be done. Isn't that what you want to say to the Lord? When you meet the Lord, Lord, there's nothing left to be done. Oh, I pray that we embrace God's plan. Let's embrace God's plan. Let's let God's word stand as the authority in our lives. And I'll tell you, we've got to be gracious with a world that we live in. Let's be gracious. So, how do you give an invitation? after this message. I don't know. But I'm going to make something up right now. Look, if you're married today, do something selfless for your spouse today. Recommit to building a good marriage. You may say, Chris, we have problems. Hey, you know what? That's called normal. When I look at the problems Robin and I have had to work through, that that work became the glue that has caused me to love her more than I've ever loved her before. Work through your problems. You don't think John and Norma Potter in 71 years had to work through a couple of things? Yeah, they did. Work through through it. And you know what? You're not alone. Let us help you. There's resources here in the church to help you. Let us help you. Work through them. You know, if if you're in a family, work through it with your family. Learn to forgive in your family. It's in my family that I have the greatest opportunity to learn to forgive, learn about the grace of God. You know the Bible says something very interesting. Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you recognize that you have something against your brother, you're to leave your gift. You're to stop talking to God and go work things out with your family. With some, maybe a brother in Christ. Maybe the invitation for you today is to just get things right this way. If you're listening on the podcast, horizontal. Then, get right vertically to the Lord. Let's allow God's word to just stand and shape our thinking. And as a mom and a dad, as you raise kids, let's allow God's word to shape the decisions we make, the opinions we hold. Let's allow God's word to stand. Because that's going to bring the greatest good in your family. It's going to bring the greatest good to our city, our state our nation, and our world. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, we we confess to you the challenge of living in a culture with changing definitions. But I thank you, Lord, how you are a foundation. And your word calls it the rock. So, would you help us answer our friends that think differently than us? Would you help us answer those in our lives that may not hold to the biblical view that we hold? And would you help us be gracious, but also be strong? Would you help us not to follow the winds of the crowd? Would you allow, Father, would you help us to to, to joyfully submit to your voice, to your word? I thank you, Lord, how you confronted me in my sin. And you changed me. And you forgave me. Would you move us, Lord Jesus? And it's in your name we pray. Amen.